We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Welcome to Face Connecticut, an in-depth look at today's issues. Good morning and welcome to another edition of Face Connecticut on WTIC News Talk 1080, 96.5 TIC-FM and Light 100.5 WRCH. Aaron Kupek with you this Sunday morning, and we are pleased to be joined by Steve Sullivan. He is president of the Connecticut Light and Power Company. Good morning to you, sir. Good morning, Aaron. Thanks for having me. Now, saying CLMP, it's kind of a flashback. This is a new position born out of the Eversource Accountability Plan approved by regulators last year, but you are certainly not new to the company. You are someone who's been in the industry and with, I'm guessing you might go back to the NU days. Uh, I do. I do, actually. It, you know, if I could just say, you know, my first, if you don't mind, if I just touch on the first couple of months, you know, they've been good. They've been very busy. Uh, I've been spent a lot of time connecting with our partners in Connecticut. I have met with Governor Lamont, uh, Deep Commissioner Dykes. I've met with Pura and their staff, uh, municipal leaders in quite, uh, quite a few communities. And that really was just to introduce myself open up lines of communication so we can try to establish a good working relationship. Uh, you know, on top of that, I think you've seen the, the weather has kept us busy. So uh, since I started my new role, we've already had two storms that required us to initiate our emergency response plan and several others that were smaller in nature, shall I say. So, but fortunately the biggest storms, they weren't as severe as the forecast predicted they could have been. They didn't cause significant power outages, but we, we were able to respond. But all in all, it's been a good uh, a good couple of months. Just in terms of the, you know, you asked about the background. It pains me a little bit to say it, Aaron, but I, I now have over 30 years in the industry. I started as an entry-level union engineer, eventually moved into operations and became a what's called a service center manager. So at that point, you're responsible for the line workers, building and maintaining the system, connecting up any new customers, restoring customers during storm events. You know, and they are just moved on to become responsible for larger areas with multiple service centers. You alluded to it a, a bit. About 10 years ago, there was the merger that created Eversource. And at that point in time, I became responsible for operation services, it was called. That was that was across three states, so Connecticut, New Hampshire, and Massachusetts. But the role was based in Connecticut. The most visible part of that role was vegetation management, so pruning and removing our trees, trying to keep them away from our system. And then uh, just lastly, the past six years, I've been responsible for construction of the transmission system. That also was Connecticut, New Hampshire, and Massachusetts, but that also was a Connecticut-based role. And it was a period of significant investment in making the transmission system 
both more resilient and also beginning the transition to renewable energy. So, you know, as you pointed out, I'm now back into electric operations and I'm responsible for all of Connecticut. Talk a little more about what this new role entails. So I'm really uh, assuming responsibility for all of electric operations. So that's maintaining our transmission and distribution system. It's building and rebuilding the distribution system to make it more reliable and more resilient. As I said before, it's connecting up our new customers, uh, restoring service to customers, both day to day, but also during storms. And I would be the executive voice of the company during storms, both with government officials uh, and if required with the media. And really, you know, any escalated issues or concerns that are raised by the people of Connecticut, you know, they would, that responsibility would fall on me. So, I, you know, to coin a phrase in short, in our Connecticut electric service territory, the buck stops with me. Now, when you were announced for this new position late last year, the, the statement mentioned a, a reset of the relationship with communities and, and customers. How would you characterize that relationship currently? You know, I think we're I think we're making a lot of progress. As I said, I've been out. I've been meeting with a lot of the municipal leaders. Uh, those have been those have been very good meetings. In terms of day to day service, it, it seems to me that most folks uh, recognize that they have very good reliability. We're actually top decile. We're in the top ten percent in terms of reliability if you look across the country. And the biggest issue folks really have had as you can probably imagine, has been, uh, you know, in past storms, just our performance in past storms. And primarily that relates back to, for the towns, I would say, for the blocked roads. And, you know, we've really put a lot of procedures and processes in place that we think will improve that. We've created a group uh, that their role in storms is initially focused solely on those blocked roads and positions that will communicate one-on-one with the cities and towns. The cities and towns have agreed to put together what we're calling a single point of contact where they also run big operations and have multiple priorities. But in a storm event, they've agreed to um, prioritize those, have a single person transmit them to us so that we can make sure that we're working on the town's priorities in correct order. And we expect that to make a big difference uh, in storms. And I think really, you know, we've shown that we've been tested with that with a whole series of mid-sized storms since ESIAs, and I think it's working well. Talk to me about how Eversource and Connecticut Light and Power Company prepare when there is word from forecasters that there might be a storm that could cause power outages. Do you have one hat during typical times, and then do you take that hat off and put on another hat when you get into storm mode? No, I would say that the hats just flow one right into another. As I said, I'm responsible for reliability day to day. What happens during a, a potential storm event, we're monitoring a variety of weather sources. So we actually have outside companies that uh, provide us with predictions of how, where they see the weather. And then something as simple as, you know, the, the NOAA, the, the National uh, Weather Service uh, websites are very good. And quite frankly, our local, uh, mostly for the most part, the morning uh, weather persons are, are very good. And there's a couple of them that actually see these events coming quite far out and give us a heads up. So from there, we do start preparing. We're we're monitoring all those forecasts. And oftentimes, we really have to make the call early. Because if if it looks like a significant event, 
we need to bring resources in from outside Connecticut. So our first move is obviously to our own line workers. Our second move is to local contractors that are qualified in, in the Connecticut area. But in the case of a large event, we are going extensively outside the area. We've built relationships with contractors so that they're dedicated to come to us if we need them. And we oftentimes, as I said, we're calling that ball several days in advance. We're getting those contractors rolling here. Uh, we get them set up. We get them prepared. The whole company really gets involved. Everybody has an official storm role. So in addition to those line workers who do, you know, just, uh, you know, amazing work during the storms, there's another whole team of dedicated professionals that need to be able to manage those line workers. So analyze the calls that are coming in, figure out what that, what that means, what damage has that done to our system, dispatch those crews in the right configuration. So it could be you know, one crew, some jobs need several crews. Some of the larger jobs, typically what happens, you know, a large tree comes over, we're gonna need a tree crew, potentially a pole setting crew and multiple line crews. And there's a whole team of engineers, analysts, dispatchers who know how to control the system, make sure that it's locked out, tagged out, grounded, and in the proper configuration for people to safely go to work. And they're working behind the scenes tirelessly to make sure that we're using those line resources efficiently. And then in addition to that, there's just a whole logistics setup that goes with, as you're bringing these hundreds of line workers in, they need to be housed, they need to be fed, their vehicles need to be gassed up, they need to be stocked with materials. So really we have a whole, uh, there are Eversource personnel that are doing this, but uh, they're shifting their positions as, as you alluded to and moving into their storm roles. And for us in operations, it's really more of a flow from our day-to-day jobs right into our storm role. The plan that made this new position that, that you have uh, ascended to it also includes additional resources on the ground in Connecticut. Can you talk a little about that? There's really two things there. So what I, there's a team of folks that are really dedicated towards making sure that we have the right plan. So that from an engineering perspective, we're looking at the system. We're looking to make it more resilient. We're looking to prepare for the future as we move towards renewable energy. And there's a whole uh, group of engineers who every day are grappling with that issue and getting ready to move us towards the grid of the future. In addition to that, we have folks that are really looking at reaching out to our towns, our liaisons that are meeting with the towns, meeting with the cities, finding out what their concerns are, and they're feeding them back into me so that I can make sure we're moving in the right direction there. And then the same kind of on the front with our regulators. We're looking to establish good relationships with our regulators it does work best if we have a shared vision of where the electric grid is going to go and how we can best work together to do that cost effectively for our customers and continue to deliver uh, great service for our customers. Now, you're also adding work centers, right? So essentially, I would say uh, we are opening up the Waterbury Service Center, but I would say more importantly, we're looking to add line workers. So we have uh, a significant number of internal line workers that are on our system, but we also rely on a series of contractors that are able to do those system projects that I talked about in terms of building out the system and making it more resilient. 
And long term, we're looking at our line force and we can see that over the next few years and then further beyond that, we are going to be faced with attrition. So we are uh, we have an apprentice program uh, that we put together and we're looking to um, develop that uh, uh, workforce by bringing in approximately 40 line worker apprentices this year. And we intend to continue that moving forward. And I, I'm really excited about that. And I think it positions us very well to deliver in the future and that folks will also see a difference locally. Um, if you don't mind, could I could I take a minute to put in a, a shameless plug for that apprenticeship program? Absolutely. You are listening to Face Connecticut. We are talking to Steve Sullivan, the president of Eversource's Connecticut Operations. Now, Steve, give us that plug. Excellent. So we have a, a partnership with Capital Community College for a line worker apprenticeship program. So at that school, you would learn the basics of how electric transmission and distribution systems work. Then during breaks in the school, you come to our training facility to work hands-on in a de-energized environment. Post-graduation, you would work for Eversource as a line worker apprentice. And that, that's a four to five year program where you work in the field with experienced line workers. You have an opportunity to demonstrate your proficiency and gradually advance to a qualified line worker. I, I should say this is not for everyone. You need to be safety conscious, mechanically oriented, technically proficient and willing to go up in a bucket 40 feet in the air in all weather conditions to work on high voltage equipment. Younger folks today, they want a job with a purpose that makes a difference. So if you step back and you think about the electric system, it's the foundation of our functioning modern society. Hospitals, schools, police, firefighters, supermarkets, your homes, they only work with a strong electric system. And as you look to the future, decarbonizing society, moving away from fossil fuels, the electric sector plays a huge role in that. So these are jobs with a purpose. They come with pay and benefits that enable you to live in Connecticut and raise a family. So if you're just starting your career or you have parents with children that are getting ready to start their career, I encourage you to take a look at this program and think about coming to join us at Nevisworth. In terms of how to get at that program, there's two, two things. One, you can go directly to Capital Community College's website, and they, they have the whole um, uh, how to sign up on the apprenticeship program there. And then same with Eversource. If you go to the Eversource website, Job Opportunities, we have links to that, uh, that apprenticeship program. Talk to me about the advantages of a line worker who lives in the community where they're serving versus maybe someone who has to be brought in from out of state to bring back the lights after a, a big event. I mean, they they know the roads, they they know the, the facilities, they live in the towns perhaps that they're trying to, to help restore power to. Uh, well, I would start with that because you're, you're exactly right. And folks don't really think about that when they think about um, Eversource. But we, we really are, we're, we're 4,000 people who live in Connecticut. You know, we live in your neighborhoods. We go to the same supermarkets you do. Our kids go to the same uh, schools as your kids do. Um, we experience the same service levels. So I think you hit the nail on the head. A line worker, if, if your lights are out, there's a, a chance that the line worker's lights are out or that my lights are out. And in that case, you know, our family's lights are out. So, and our neighbor's lights are out and they all know who we work for. So, 
we I can assure you, we are working tirelessly to get the lights back on as quickly as possible. And that is one of the advantages to having the local line workers. And the other, again, I think you were going right down that path. You know the local roads, but more importantly, you actually know the electric system. So the electric system, while it's very complicated, it has a whole uh, series of sections and ties and circuit ties. And a local line worker, especially in their particular service center's area, they become very familiar with that over the years and actually can very, uh, more quickly, they're able to restore outages than what we bring in. The outside crews that we bring in, they're very qualified and they're getting direction from that um, dedicated team that I talked about that's, that's organizing the storm. But having a line worker who works on the system every single day, I think plays to your advantage. Talk to me about how the, the system is set up in Connecticut. How many work centers do you have? And on a, a typical day when there isn't a weather event you're responding to, uh, how, how many crews are available to send out if, if there is an issue that arises? Yeah, we have over a dozen uh, what I would call full uh, work centers. Similar when I, when I gave a brief background, I talked about seeing a, being a service center manager. We have about a dozen of those. They're spread out uh, pretty equally distributed around all of Connecticut, all sections of Connecticut. Then on top of that, we have another, at least a dozen, if not two dozen locations that are smaller in nature where uh, substation technicians report to. And there's a group that we call um, the Response Specialist Organization. So they really are dedicated to, if there's an issue on the system, if the lights go out, they work three shifts, uh, seven days a week. We have people that are on the clock at all times, and they're the first responders, and they're really spread out across the state. And if there's an issue, if the lights go out, that's the first crew that gets dispatched. They're able to quickly get to the area, and they're they're just an awesome group of line workers. They, they come together if they have to, if it takes more than one to make the repair. They're almost always able to get the lights going, even if it's just temporary. And then we follow up the next day with a line crew or we call out a line crew, depending upon the nature of the temporary repair. Uh, just in terms of some of the resources you talked about, we have over 400 internal line workers uh, that are at, that are at um, you know, that work every day on our system. And they're obviously our first responders during, uh, during any outage check. Talk a little about the double-edged sword of vegetation management. Certainly, we like our trees in Connecticut, except when they knock down power lines. Uh, you know, you, you try to be aggressive in many cases in, in tree trimming, but I'm sure you get complaints when trees are taken down that people like. Yeah, I, I mean, to me, it's absolutely the key. It's, it's the single biggest item that we could work on, work on that short term will pay dividends for our customers. So it, it, it's our number one cause of outages. So even on a blue sky day like today, the number one cause of outages is still tree related. And then certainly during storms, both mid-sized storms and large storms, over 90% of the outages are caused by trees. When when the, the forecast, when you asked the question earlier and we're looking at the forecast, like preparing for storms, I am not worried about what those winds are going to do to our electric system. Our electric system can stand up to almost every storm that comes down. And the issue is the trees cannot stand up to that storm. And when they come down, they do tremendous damage to our system. 
So we have a couple of issues facing us here in Connecticut. One is just the sheer volume of trees. It, it's, it's kind of hard to believe, but Connecticut is actually, there are folks who count this, and Connecticut is actually ranked number five in the country in terms of roadside trees per mile. So those are trees that are along the roads and are large enough that if they fall over in the wrong direction, they can land on the electric uh, system. So number five in the country. Then in addition to that, just the health of our trees in Connecticut, I think this is related to both climate change and insect infestation. It's estimated that approximately 15% of the trees in Connecticut are, you know, are on their way towards dying and, and they're not healthy. So, you know, you can step back from that and say, well, so what? That, that comes with the territory. There are probably other, if we're number five, that means there's other states that face similar issues. And from there, I would agree in that, yeah, you just have to deal with that. You have to budget for that and prepare to prune back those trees and get them away from our distribution system. And at times go after those hazardous trees that are obviously dead or dying and remove them. However, in Connecticut, there is a fairly unique provision that's extremely restrictive. In the vast majority of other areas of the country, the electric utility has the ability to go out and just prune the trees if it's inside their easement. So if it's inside your easement area and the tree is encroaching on your system, you're essentially notifying your customers. You're saying, hey, next week we're coming out, we're gonna be doing vegetation management in your area. Would you like us to leave the, the wood for you? In Connecticut, we have to go and get permission and typically written permission from each and every customer. And many folks say yes. Many folks realize that this is a prudent thing to do and they say yes, but there's a significant percentage of folks that say no. And I actually think that's one of the most frustrating things. So for instance, Aaron, you might say yes, and we come out and we actually perform vegetation management uh, in front of your home. You see it, you see, you see what we've done there. And then there could be a storm two weeks later but unbeknownst to you, around the corner, three of your neighbors have said no, and that's where the tree comes down and you see the outage. So it's doubly frustrating for you as the customer that you've we've asked you, you've said yes, you've seen us perform the work, you know we've made the investment, and from your perspective, hey, it's not working. And it really does relate back uh, primarily to areas where folks are saying, no, I don't want that to happen. So I would just ask folks, you know, really, if if we're coming to you and we're asking you to prune the trees, would, I would appreciate it if you would give us permission. As I said, it's the single biggest factor in our law affecting the reliability of our system. It's the single one item that we could work on that could make a difference. And, you know, we're all in on um, greening of society and decarbonizing society. Most folks are aware of our investment in fossil wind. And we relate that very same way to trees. So we have tree offset programs. We have right tree, right place programs. So we're not against trees. We're willing to invest in replacement types of vegetation. It's just the vegetation that's up against our distribution system. We have to push it back and remove those hazards. In our last minute or so, are there certain areas where it's viable to Put the lines underground so you don't have to worry about the trees? If you were designing the electric system from scratch, I would say that's the preferred way to go. There's certainly the cost of first installation is much higher to put it on the ground. 
and even the routine maintenance uh, in a non-storm situation is higher. But the service levels to the customer uh, in, in today's modern society, that's the way to go. The issue is we have 16,000 miles of overhead distribution system in Connecticut, and it's extremely expensive to underground that because, you know, think about it. You've got to put a trench out in the street. You've got to not only excavate down, put your duct bank in, but then you've got to restore that and repave that area. And that's before you've done anything electrically in terms of pulling cable, making those connections. And then each and every home, if you're fed overhead today, in the future, you have to be fed underground. So there has to be a way that we can work that out with each and every customer in order to make the entire system work. But uh, the short answer to your question, those are resiliency items that we're, that we're working on. And you know, those are future programs that I think do make sense for the state of Connecticut. He is Steve Sullivan, president of Eversources Connecticut Operations. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Really appreciate the time, Aaron, and I, uh, I thank you for your thoughtful questions. Thanks for listening to Face Connecticut. I'm Aaron Kupek. Enjoy the balance of your weekend. Face Connecticut is a production of the News and Public Affairs Department of WTIC Radio. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 